Ready to revolutionize your customer experience? Then look no further than NICE, the global leader in cloud CX software for self-service and agent-assisted customer interactions. Imagine achieving lightning-fast customer resolutions all thanks to the power of unlimited scalability and flexibility of one complete cloud CX solution. With NICE's cutting-edge CX1 platform, you can join thousands of organizations around the globe who are already transforming customer experience in the cloud. Now that's a pretty good company, but Nice is more than just a robust cloud CX platform. Its dedication to continuous innovation ensures that you stay ahead of the competition. With Nice and CX1, it's never been easier to create exceptional customer experiences. Get started by visiting nice.com. Explore the world's most complete cloud native customer experience platform, CX1. Visit nice.com. Nice, cloud powered, CX at scale. Ready to revolutionize your customer experience? Then look no further than NICE, the global leader in cloud CX software for self-service and agent-assisted customer interactions. Imagine achieving lightning-fast customer resolutions all thanks to the power of unlimited scalability and flexibility of one complete cloud CX solution. With NICE's cutting-edge CX1 platform, you can join thousands of organizations around the globe who are already transforming customer experience in the cloud. Now that's a pretty good company, but Nice is more than just a robust cloud CX platform. Its dedication to continuous innovation ensures that you stay ahead of the competition. With Nice and CX1, it's never been easier to create exceptional customer experiences. Get started by visiting nice.com. Explore the world's most complete cloud native customer experience platform, CX1. Visit nice.com. Nice, cloud powered, CX at scale. Ready to revolutionize your customer experience? Then look no further than NICE, the global leader in cloud CX software for self-service and agent-assisted customer interactions. Imagine achieving lightning-fast customer resolutions all thanks to the power of unlimited scalability and flexibility of one complete cloud CX solution. With NICE's cutting-edge CX1 platform, you can join thousands of organizations around the globe who are already transforming customer experience in the cloud. Now that's a pretty good company, but Nice is more than just a robust cloud CX platform. Its dedication to continuous innovation ensures that you stay ahead of the competition. With Nice and CX1, it's never been easier to create exceptional customer experiences. Get started by visiting nice.com. Explore the world's most complete cloud native customer experience platform, CX1. Visit nice.com. Nice, cloud powered, CX at scale. One hundred up for us, two hundred up in terms of Manchester United versus Liverpool fixtures, and this one was a cracker. Welcome to Series Three, Episode Twenty Six of the Manchester United Weekly Podcast, as we celebrate goals from Academy boy Marcus Rashford, guiding United to a great two-one win against Liverpool on Saturday, and absolutely rocking Old Trafford. Jack, it was the the best atmosphere, not just noise, but also the the general feeling of of positivity that I've heard at Old Trafford for for quite a few years now, and it's no surprise. Fantastic game. Great two last games, and United were unplayable for Liverpool in that first half. Absolutely brilliant game, and it caps off a brilliant few weeks as well. I think that that's probably why the atmosphere was so great at Old Trafford yesterday. 
you think about the Chelsea game, first time we've beat a big team after going behind in about three years. Then the two, the comeback from two goals down against Palace, which was reminiscent of all the Fergie years, and now getting one over on our, our biggest rivals. It's just a, a perfect few weeks, and the atmosphere at Old Trafford was electric. We, you know, we spoke. We'll, uh, we've we've spoke a lot, and there'll be a big episode on the Old Trafford atmosphere soon. But we spoke a lot about the atmosphere and and how it's maybe not as good as it used to be. But that was up there with some of the best I've ever heard at Old Trafford. It was incredible, incredible to watch, and the scenes when, especially when the first goal went in, I think it was just such a monumental moment, especially with Marcus Rashford being the one to score it, an academy boy coming through getting his chance in the team again after a a few months out and he just took it so, so well. It was a a brilliant day all round. It was just a perfect, perfect win. When the second goal went in as well, because the first goal, it was a classic Rashford, uh, just the celebration of of a proper 20-year-old who's come through the club and he just, he he never, he never goes for anything smart. It's just, Marcus Rashford's smile just fills me with joy. (laughs) But then the second goal, he just stood in front of the corner with his arms out, just like, yes, and that is... I think at that point everyone was like, "This is." It reminded me of his his double against Arsenal, where it was just like because it was also quite close after each other. It was just like, yeah. this, is, "This is this is ridiculous." Um, another ridiculous moment for Marcus Rashford. He was still twenty, but we'll move on to him in just a second. But first, the, the tactics from Mourinho spot on in the first half, and in terms of what, what not just winning the game, but what we wanted to see as well. And the second half was more more of classic Jose, which is playing the odds. Yeah you're more than likely not going to give up a two-goal lead if you defend. And that's exactly what Mourinho does, plays the odds, takes Salah out of the game. And, I mean, no possession, no problem for him in the second half. And, and it, <laughs> it paid off. I, I tweeted about this just after the game. But I have to say, I've regained a lot of faith in Mourinho over the last three three weeks, especially the last three games. Because in each one of those games, he has affected the game massively, either from his tactics from the outset or with the substitutions that he's made during the game. In the Chelsea game, first half an hour, we were pretty dreadful. Chelsea were all over us. And he switched it up a little bit, um, switched it up at half-time as well. And we came out and played so much better in the second half. Then against Palace, the substitutions were excellent. He didn't wait too long to make them. You know, bringing off McTominay at half-time was a big call. And then against Liverpool, the the tactics in the first half were absolutely spot on. He he realised that we had to nullify Liverpool playing down the, down the middle. Uh, so bringing, bringing the two wide players back and forcing them to do a job defensively en- ended up meaning that A, Robertson and uh, who was right, Alexander-Arnold uh, couldn't get up and down as much as they u- usually can, especially Robertson on that left flank. And it forced all of Liverpool's play infield, which is where we had all the, all the numbers and we had all the advantages in midfield. So it was a brilliant tactical performance by Jose in the first half. And I must admit, Jose chats some rubbish sometimes after the game. But I thought his interview with Sky Sports after the game was one of the best I've heard him do in a long time. And he put it perfectly when he said, you can have control of the game without having the ball. And that's exactly how I felt for most of the second half. You know, once by, once the Bayern goal went in, things got a little bit more nerve-wracking. Uh, by the end of the day, that goal was nothing to do with the tactics. It was just a bit of bad luck at the end of the day. But I think we did have control of the game. Liverpool fashioned, as far as I can remember, zero clear-cut chances in that game. I think De Gea made maybe one save from a Firmino shot in the first half that was straight at him. And Liverpool in the second half, even when they were chasing the game, putting all their bodies forward, didn't create a single chance, I would say. They definitely should have scored that. And I think that's testament to the way we defended and the way Mourinho set us up. I think he nullified Liverpool so well. Ashley Young played Salah out of the game. Brilliant performance by him. Mourinho's tactics were right and the players uh, performed them to perfection as well. It was just a, a brilliant game plan and a brilliant performance. Possession statistics, I mean, we, we literally don't care. Liverpool fans are 
angry at the referee. The Fellaini on um, on Sané probably, I think, probably was a penalty. But I, I saw, I can't remember who did it, but a good summary on Twitter was, well, we're not the ones relying on a controversial penalty and a known goal to get a draw at, mm. at Liverpool or at Man United. Whichever way around. To be fair, for me, I thought for me, I thought the the one penalty shout that was probably the the best was the handball. Actually, I didn't. For me, the Fellaini and Mane one. Fellaini's in front of him, and Mane steps across Fellaini. But I thought the handball was probably the best shout for a penalty. But even that one, I'd say, definitely wasn't Stonewall. They're both they're both possible, but in in reality, did United not deserve to win? I I mean, I I think it would be odd to say United definitely didn't deserve to win. I I I haven't really seen anyone who's not a deluded Liverpool fan saying that. Well, ultimately, you know, we talk about possession, but the, the the next best chance in the game, apart from the, the three goals, was Matters. So ultimately, if you, if you want to look at it by actually who had the, the best clear-cut chances to score, United did. Yeah, their, their one clear-cut chance was Van Dijk's header from about four yards, which he put wide. But, I mean, in terms of De Gea, De Gea being in action, I, think, I, don't think he, I don't think either side had a shot on target after the 31st minute. And United didn't have to. But yeah. that's, I mean, that's embarrassing for Liverpool, especially given the the title of like heavy metal football compared to boring, boring United. It's just, it's, it's just funny. It's 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 classic Mourinho though, and it's it's good that most people are giving praise for it now, given some of the not hypocritical, but just the odd way in which some people have been treating Mourinho's United compared to Mourinho's other teams. You look at, I remember someone pointed this out on Twitter as well. You go back to the um, 1-0, 1-0 win Mourinho had um, against United where Van Gaal's United had 71% possession and Chelsea had 29 And everyone was saying Mourinho masterclass, Van Gaal sort of sums up his failures at United, whereas now it's the other way around and obviously it's, it's not quite the same. But Mourinho's rightly getting praised and so are United. But Marcus Rashford deserves... I don't actually think Rashford deserves the most praise because we'll move on to who does in a bit. But Rashford just... I think the the thing that this game reminded me is that for a 20-year-old to do that, just as like the only good thing they've done in their career would be amazing. But the fact that this comes after a winner in the Manchester derby, a winner against Chelsea, um, two against Arsenal, two on his debut... Uh, a goal on, for England on his debut, a goal in the in a two one win against West Ham in a cup quarter final, man of the match in a cup final. Uh, after all those things, and he's still only twenty, and this is like he's been in a goal drought for three months, but now he's come back and done this. It's it's just amazing. Yeah, it really is amazing. I it's easy to forget sometimes. I think when we watch Rashford now, because he has been around for a few years, three years. A how how young he is, and B how much he actually has achieved in his career so far. Like. I mean, like you said, the two goals in his debut, then two goals in his Arsenal to follow it up, a winner in the Manchester derby. These are things that a lot of very, very good players never achieved in their entire careers. And Rashford's achieved that by, by the time he's 20 years old. And I think maybe, maybe our expectations got a little bit ahead of us with Rashford. You know, he came, in, came onto the scene, he played so well in his first few games, and then he hasn't played badly, I wouldn't say, but he's not been up to that level um, for a lot of his games. And maybe our expectations were a little bit too high, but... The, what I loved about his game yesterday was that he was clinical. And there's something that Rashford hasn't always been. His conversion rate isn't isn't the best. He Sometimes his decision-making isn't the best. But the way he took those two chances, especially the first one, was very, very good. And the, the cutback for the first goal and then the ruthless finish was just... It's just what we want to see from him. And he's always had a rocket of a right foot. And it's just whether he can now 
go on and try and use that in a more productive way to be a more efficient finisher and really get that conversion rate up. And even though he's not had the best few months, I can't I can't remember the exact stats, but his golden assist returns are still very, very good for a 20-year-old winger. Yeah, I think this is actually Rashford's highest goal-scoring season. Um, given last year, everyone was praising him for, for actually not a, not an incredible goal-scoring record. It's just he had a, a brilliant start to the season this year and then... I think from October to December, he didn't score. And then he scored against City in the derby and against CSK before that. And then hadn't scored up until, I think it was a Yeovil game in the cup and then not again until now. Um, yeah. So it's just. I've, I've just looked it up now. He's, he's on 12 goals and eight assists in all competitions, which, considering that he's been playing out wide for most of the season, I mean, you take that from an experienced winger, let alone a 20 year old. Yeah, contributed to 20 goals at the age of 20 in your. I mean, it is his third season for United now, second full season for the club. And 20 goals at this stage of the season, what is it, March through March yet, not even past the Champions League round of 16, and, and contributing that when, yes, he's played every almost every game with a couple of breaks for, for knocks and get fatigue and poor form, but a lot of that has been from the bench. I think it, I think it's about half and half starts and, and coming off the bench. 20 goals for a 20-year-old is... Yeah, he's only, he's only just had just over a 1,000 minutes in the Premier yeah, League, it's really I mean, not much. Yes, he may have played in almost every Premier League game, but as I just said, a lot of them are from the bench and that translates into that minutes figure. Rashford's, I mean, he's developing fantastically as well. His all-round game and the the strength, the pace is still there, but the strength is building, the decision-making is improving slightly. We've, we've criticised it sometimes. But that goal was... I'm trying... I'm, I, I couldn't decide who it reminded me more of the first goal, the cutback and then and a brilliant finish into the far corner. I couldn't decide whether it reminded me of Henri or Ronaldo more, but it's a, it's a good choice to have. <laughs> there were there was some clips on Twitter after the game. I think it was a Ronaldo goal against Bolton, um, where he kind of he it was very very similar to Rashford. Cuts inside with a little heel chop onto his right foot and buries it into the far corner. It was a very very well taken goal and uh, yeah, just a really good performance all round. Hopefully he can now go on with this. I think. One of the issues with Rashford is that he's been he's been very streaky in his career so far, and that he'll he'll score every game for four or five games, and then won't score for a couple of months. So he just needs to become a little bit more consistent. But I I, I don't think he's developing badly at all. I think you know our expectations, like I said, maybe were a little bit too high. But he's continuing to grow as a player, both physically, mentally, and in terms of his game on the pitch. I think he's doing well. He just now needs to find a little bit a little bit more consistency. But to be fair to him consistency on the pitch in terms of actually getting games will hopefully lead to consistency in, in, with his performances so it's not all on him it's also on him being able to get a start every week yeah now all hail Eric Bailly <laughs> I mean he comes back and scores a, a quite um, I mean a ridiculous own goal and he's still the best defender on the pitch it was it's I just feel so much more comfortable having him there and it's the yeah. it's the timing and the tackle the pace the aggression and and not actually just that but the the active nature of, of Bayes defending rather than being passive is is actually, I mean, genuinely, it's game-changing for United. It puts United on the front foot, particularly in that first half, and even in the second, when if you had Smalling and Lindoff, you'd be waiting. Because, I mean, that is Mourinho's tactics in the second half, is waiting for Liverpool to do something and then clearing yep. it away for half an hour, 40 minutes. But when you've got Bayes, Bayes just randomly chooses to step up and suddenly steps up aggression and then off you go you're on the counter-attack and even if you're not on the counter-attack it's just stopping that constant constant pressure and that is I genuinely think that's as important as as a striker playing well for United absolutely I I think he had a great performance all round it's a real shame he actually scored the own goal because I I don't think his his performance was appreciated quite so much because of it but 
thought he did very, very well on his first game back. And I think he makes Chris Smalling a better defender too because we've criticised Chris Smalling a lot, and rightly so, but the one thing Chris Smalling has always been very, very good at is covering because he's very quick and he reads he reads the game well when he doesn't have to mark anyone. He's always been a very good sort of in that uh, as like a sweeper sort of role, and Bai allows him to do that because Bai is more of an aggressive in your face kind of defender, and he allows Smalling to drop a little bit deeper and play in that cover role. And I think together they work they work a lot better than Smalling and Lindelof do. Bai, I thought he was fantastic in his first game back. When he went down injured, I, I was very very worried that he might have to come off, and we'd see Smalling and Lindelof for the last twenty minutes or so. But I think he did really really well, um, and really good to see him come back on. Be interested to see how much he plays um, in the next few weeks. Obviously, coming back from a long-term injury and maybe still picked up a little bit of a knock in the Liverpool game, but it's a huge positive for us to have it back. And I do, I think you're right. It does have a massive, massive effect on our defence, and it does have as a big of a, an effect as any of our attacking players. I would say. And I mean, I mean, I say all that about Bay, fantastic, and Smalling looked better alongside it. I think Smalling makes the players alongside him look much worse, and that's definitely true. But the same can be said for Smalling playing alongside Lindelof. And I actually think Lindelof will turn out as a good defender. And there were moments, sort yeah. of, not at, the, not at the very start of the season, at the start of Lindelof's season, you could say, not the start of United, when he finally came into the side um, in October, November time, um, when he actually did look like a very good defender. And we haven't seen that in the last few weeks, but I think he can be great. But mm. I think even for him, even for Smalling, I think even Smalling is made to look worse by Lindelof. It's sort of a mutual... <laughs> A mutual lack of help there. But saying all that about Bayern and Smalling, protected very well by a midfield two of, of McTominay and Matic. And I think for, for Scott McTominay, it was a, a defining game of his United career so far. He he won the fouls when it was needed. It, he played it simply when it was needed. His interceptions covering the defence was, was done to perfection alongside Matic. And him and Matic were perfectly disciplined in in their shape and didn't give away silly fouls, which is criminal with with the quality in, in Liverpool's side from set pieces um, even though they've lost Coutinho and just a, a wonderful performance from, from McTominay and very mature as Marino said after the game it would, I mean it, even if this game was just in isolation this would have been a huge performance by McTominay but what made it even more impressive for me was that it came after, came straight on the back of him getting taken off at half time on Monday night and I know he, he wasn't the worst player on the pitch on Monday night and he, he probably got taken off more for tactical reasons than his uh, personal performance but that was a that was a big setback. You know, he played so well for the last few weeks. He was seen to be gaining Mourinho's trust a lot, and the fact that he was the one brought out against Palace could have been could have sent him downhill very easily. And I think he did so well to come back in and play as well as he did against Liverpool, especially against that style because it's not it's not the kind of style of play that you play against a lot. The way Liverpool play in the overloads they try and get through the middle, and he dealt with it so so well. On the ball, he just did the simple things, didn't try and do anything too complicated. And defensively, him alongside Matic, who was also very, very good, protected us so, so well. I said earlier that I think one of the big things Mourinho's tactical game plan for that game was shut down Liverpool coming through the centre of the field because them in transitions in the centre is where they really kill teams. And it was massive to have those two in front of the back four playing so well. And to be fair to Mourinho, as, as unpopular as the substitution was at the time, Fellaini came on and he did a very good job for us too. I think he... He didn't change the game by any means, but he did really, really well in just adding a little bit more protection for that. And actually, he did pretty well in buying us some time going forward as well. There's a few nice runs that he made where he managed to hold the ball in the corner, got fouled by Lovren a couple of times. So I think Mourinho only takes some credit, but Matic, McTominay, and then later on Fellaini, all very, very good in that midfield. Um, and the, the last person I think who deserves a, a very, very honourable mention is Ashley Young. Played brilliantly at left-back. 
completely had probably the best player in the league this season, Mohamed Salah, under control for the entire game. I don't remember Salah doing anything except that the last second um, sort of snatched volley that uh, that he had from a corner. But apart from that, Ashley Young completely marked him out yeah. of the game. And whenever uh, whenever Alexander-Arnold or later Wijnaldum were on the overlap and Rashford or uh, Sanchez couldn't get back, Young was there. He was brilliant from start to finish. I thought he had an excellent game. Definitely true. But staying with the, with the attacking players, before actually we move on to Juan Mata, who needs considerable praise for his, not just not just for Liverpool, but in, in the last few weeks as well. Um, Romelu Lukaku, hold up play, absolutely spot on again. And the, the, the effort and the work rate is brilliant. And we've actually said that for a long time, but his recent improvement has, has changed this United side. Uh, gives us that outlet in big games, in small games. Um, and he's he's actually becoming a... a he's taking up a, a leadership role in this United side and being really important in against Palace. It was his actions pulling United forward at points. Um, against Chelsea, the same could be said as we were coming back from one goal behind. And against Liverpool, it's him making sure we're not just sitting back. Lukaku's having a massive influence on the team. 100%. I would, I would say it's been the last two or three months been a steady improvement. And we're now seeing a Lukaku that at the start of the season was unthinkable. Despite how many goals he was scoring, I never thought that I'd see this quickly such an improvement in his general play. He's been a brilliant in the last few months. Against Liverpool, second half was a lot harder for him. Just, I mean, a lot of the balls up to him weren't even balls up to him. They were just clearances and people were hoping he might be able to get on the end of it. But first half, very, very, very good. Held the ball up well, linked up play well and had a huge part to play in both of Rashford's goals. Absolutely bullying Lovren. Um, and it, it was just brilliant to watch him play like that. I think it's what we've wanted to see from him all season. Uh, and it's been, it was great to see him use that physical presence. Graham Souness was talking about it after the game and... Graham Souness also, like Mourinho, talks a lot of rubbish a lot of the time. But one of the few things he said that I agreed with was he said, Lukaku knows when he steps onto the pitch, he is the biggest person on, on the field. So if he wants to try and get into a, a, a wrestling match with whoever's marking him, he'll do it and he'll come out on top nine times out of ten. And it's exactly what he did to Lovren. He, he just bullied him in, uh, in for both of the goals. And then the, the, the pass to Mata that led to the second goal brilliantly weighted pass I don't know what Matter was trying to do actually should, should have just shot first time but ended up working out well I was really really impressed with him um, and yeah just he's becoming a very very important player in this side now yeah on to Matter another player with increasing importance in the team and, and adding balance to United as well help versus Palace when he came on and brilliant against Liverpool before before he was subbed off it's um, he's sort of he's taken on that responsibility of being the, the balance to the side and linking up Matic and McTominay against Liverpool to Alexis, Rashford, Lukaku, and he's just—he's just a, a car. He's a classic calming influence on on the team, and is at the same time some brilliant creative. And the weird thing with Matt is you always think of this him as this this small Spaniard who can't hold the ball up, but realistically, his his first touch is so unbelievably amazing, and he uses his his body, which. There's not much of it, but he uses his body uh, brilliantly. Yeah, and he actually does a lot of holding up the ball for United when we're trying to get out of defence, and, and did a lot of it in that first half alongside Lukaku and worked with him really well. But balancing the United side fantastically. I think Matter's role in this team is even more important now because of Alexis, and because of how many times Alexis loses the ball, Matter becomes so much more important as that link between the midfield and the attack. Because if the ball goes into Alexis all the time he's going to end up losing the ball six or seven times out of ten of every ten that he gets it. And 
you know, I, I, I think matter becomes so much more important there because when we do want to keep the ball and when we do want to link the midfield to the attack in a, maybe a bit more of a smoother way, he becomes so, so vital to that. And it, it, it's important that he's the one really who is that link because then he, he the one, he's the one that can then play, be playing the balls to Alexis, to Lukaku, to Rashford, to Martial, to Lingard, to whoever's in, in front of him. Against Palace, he was excellent when he came on. He was excellent against Liverpool uh, until he got brought off. He's having a really, really good um, period I, per, personally, I've never, I've always had a love, bit of a love-hate relationship with Matter, and at the moment, I'm, I'm certainly in the, in the love phase of, of the relationship. I think uh, he's played really, really well lately, and I think not only is he more important when Alexis is playing, but he's also very, very important when Pogba isn't, because Pogba generally is the one who can link the play in, in a way that no one else really can. Uh, but Mata kind of fills that role, uh, at least to some degree, when Pogba isn't playing. Yeah, exactly. It's it's the the lack of Pogba that makes Mata all the more important. And yeah, it's sometimes he can be frustrating. But I'd actually say for the for the last two seasons, he's been un, unexpectedly consistent. Not in terms of you wouldn't expect it, but just looking back, you you realize you're like, well, yeah, he's actually been. At a very good level for the last two seasons, and it's very rare to have Mata let you down in a game. He just loves playing against Liverpool as well. Yeah, definitely. I mean, oh, that that he he could have scored it if he chested it down. He had way more time than he thought, but I I love the fact he tried it. If we if we'd lost or drawn, I wouldn't be saying this, but oh, <laughs> the 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 feeling going through your body when he was trying that was just unbelievable. <laughs> I had complete flashbacks to Wanfield. Yeah, it it would have been so so special the the deja vu of it, but yeah, not quite. But <laughs> it was a it was a nice attempt. But Alexis Sanchez work rate brilliant, efforts brilliant, pressing brilliant, and, and was important in in that in that sense in terms of putting pressure on Liverpool and, and making them uncomfortable in the early stages. A couple of ridiculously good passes. There was one on the volley first time, which just split Liverpool's entire defence. And, and he had some great moments, but has always lost the ball too much. Yeah, so I, I think I, I tweeted this during the game, and that I would I would actually say that the Liverpool game was maybe maybe his best, if not maybe his second best performance since he came to United. And I think that's both me praising and criticising him because he was better than he has been, but he still wasn't great. And I think it's that the fact that I I would put that as one of his best performances says it all about what he's been like at United so far. Definitely hasn't been the start that we wanted, but yesterday he was he was better. He didn't lose the ball quite so many times, and there was a there was a few more of the incisive passing that we wanted to see. And went as you said, his work rate going back, which in the second half was honestly more important, was brilliant. And he stretched the play well too. Whenever he got a chance to counter, he just stretched Liverpool, got them running back towards their own goal, which is a, actually a really important thing to have in a big game like that where you're under pressure. Even if you don't get very far, just forcing Liverpool back a little bit deeper and buying the defence some time is really important. I was a little bit worried when he got moved out to the left after Rashford got brought off, just because although, although Alexis works hard, defensively he's not the most diligent. He, he sort of chooses when to work hard, but he was actually very, very good um, on the left once Rashford came off in his defensive duties. So one of his better games, but I think that goes to show how poor he has been since he's come to United, if that makes sense. Needs to do more, but was was important to the side. But you, you'd expect even more than that. Yeah. I was looking at the table earlier today, the Premier League table. It's looking, it's looking quite nice. Four points off Spurs, who won on Sunday. But even then, United four points clear of them. I think five points clear of Liverpool now. And, and even more, I think seven clear of Chelsea. So second place is, 
it's definitely ours to keep but um one little slip up and and you're back down into the into the the challengers but it's important you stay clear of that especially if we're going to progress in the Champions League on Tuesday to to make sure that there's less pressure on so you can focus on on other things the FA Cup comes after the Champions League of course as well the importance of Tuesday's game can't can't be underestimated at all um i was listening to the, to the Gary Neville podcast after the game yesterday and he he mentioned that as great as this win against Liverpool is Tuesday is arguably more important he said if you had to choose one game out of these two to win if your heart would tell you the Liverpool game because you never want to lose to Liverpool and it no matter what the context is it's always a massive game but in terms of our season and where we might be going with this season Tuesday is the more important game and we we have to we have to win on Tuesday there is no two ways about it if we if we lose on Tuesday I think it it doesn't matter that we beat Liverpool you know that's such a big deal not just not only just going out in the last 16 but if we were playing a team like Juventus like Spurs did and we went out to them I'd say you know what, okay, fair enough. And I'm not saying Sevilla are a terrible team, but they are a team that we 100% should be beating. Yeah, we shall move on to Sevilla in about two minutes, but a quick youth update. A great week for United's youth teams with a 2-1 win for the under-23s away at Anfield on Friday night. Unexpected win, thanks to goals from Joe Riley and Caleb Gribben. Tahith Chong continues to look like the best player on that side, the most impressive one, certainly. And the under-18s had a fantastic 6-1 win against West Brom on Saturday morning as young 2001-born Mason Greenwood continues his fine form. He hit double with goals, also coming from Nishan Burkhart, Aidan Barlow and Arnel Puigmont, and an own goal as well. Greenwood, I think, is now scoring at a rate of way over one one goal a match, which is ridiculous given... He's one of the youngest players in the side and just he's two-footed, brilliant pace, good decision-making, brilliant finishing. It's, Greenwood is one of the most exciting prospects in, in a very good under-18s team that United have. Let's go back to talking about Sevilla. Prediction for the game. It's hard. I, it, all, it all depends who scores first, I think. I'm, I'm going to be positive um, and go for a nerve-wracking 1-0 win. I'm going to go... a even more nerve-wracking 2-1 win where we come from behind. <laughs> we come from behind. Actually, I can, I can either see a 2-1 going us coming from behind or us being 2-1 up and the same as Liverpool game. Where Sevier, I can see Severe scoring sort of 80th, 85th minute and it being a horrible yeah. last last few moments. Similar to, to the, uh, was it uh, the Celta Vigo semi-final yeah. last year? Where, where, where they definitely should have gone through. Um, yeah. not been for that awful finish I can't remember who it was but it was nice to it's see uh, John Guidetti former yeah. City player as former well City even and, then, and then former Liverpool Iago Aspas crying off the pitch was, was brilliant yeah um, <laughs> I liked it there was one moment in the Liverpool game in the, yeah in the Liverpool game where James Milner went over to take a corner and he just realised in front of the Stretford end and he started thinking about Leeds he just thought he's got the, the holy trinity of, of hatred of yeah. playing for Leeds going to City and then playing for, for Liverpool after that it's just I was trying to think of players who could compete with him and I, I we me and my brother came up with Nicholas and Elka Arsenal, Chelsea yep. Liverpool, City and Bolton I guess local rivalry but not really <laughs> um, who else could we have who else has, has done at least the, the double of Liverpool and City there, there's there's actually there's not, not many. many no I mean Sterling Colo Torre um, has done Arsenal, Liverpool, City that's yeah. a bad one I, th- I think Colo Torre and, and Anelka are the only competitors to Milner. But Milner's properly got the, the holy trinity yeah. of, of hatred. Severe game. Eric Bailly to stay in despite just coming back. I, I, I could genuinely see the same starting lineup. I wouldn't be entirely surprised. But if Pogba's back, 
will he drop him again? Or will he, will he pretend he's injured again? If Pogba's fit, I think he'll play. But I'm not sure if he's going to be fit, first of all. Uh, in terms of Bailly, I want him to start if he's fit, but I don't think he will. I think he'll play Lindelof and Smalling again. And I really hope it doesn't come back to bite us. Um, I, I, I wouldn't be unhappy at all if we went with the same starting lineup. Uh, I think you know it worked well. Why, why change going into the severe game? I think... Though if Pogba's fit, I think he will start. I I don't think he wants to. T- you can take that risk again. Um, you know the first leg, no matter how bad the first leg goes, there's always a chance of some sort of redemption in the second leg. But if the second leg goes badly, Mourinho's heads on the pl- on the plate uh, if that happens. So I think Pogba will start if he's fit. Whether he's fit though is another question. I'm not sure he will be. It's only what a three day turnaround. Um, and by I want Bayer to start, but I honestly don't think he will. Yeah, I'd love him to start, but it's weird because Mourinho sometimes almost force. There's there's suggestions that he forces his players to play, and it, it's expected that even if you got a slight knock, you play. But there's definitely been cases this season where Martial and Pogba and, and other players have had small knocks and have chosen or declared themselves unfit. Eric Bayer. His depth would always say he's fit, and you saw when he when he got injured against Liverpool, he was like, "Bring me back on, bring me back on straight away." <laughs> That's just that, there's, I don't think there's actually anything wrong with being not being that kind of player. But Bio certainly want to play. I want him to play, um, and I I think if you risk him for this game and then say, "Well, you don't play at the weekend," I think I, that's that's what I do. But Anthony Martial back as well. But I, before before the Rashford performance, you probably would say, yeah, definitely Martial back. But after that Rashford game, you, you, you've got to start him. Yeah, I don't think you can drop Rashford after that game. Even even as much for Rashford himself as well. Because it would be so disheartening for him if he puts in one of his best performances of the season, match-winning performance against Liverpool, and then gets dropped for the Champions League game three days later. I just don't think you can you can justify that. Yeah, he's, he's got to start. Anyway, thank you as always for listening to the Manchester United Weekly Podcast. This was our 100th episode. Um, we hoped it would be a special on the atmosphere at Old Trafford, but that's still in the works, but should be out by the end of the week, hopefully. It will be a good one. And since it is our 100th, though, it means time to say, I mean, thank you to all of you who supported us since we began back in January 2016. Thank you to those who have sent in questions, given us reviews, told us when things have gone wrong, what we can do better, told us you're enjoying it. Um, a few other thank yous to No Hot Ashes, the band who you hear at the end of every episode, who have let us use their brilliant stuff ever since we started. They're on Spotify. The music's great. And actually, they're touring this spring. So check them out in the next. I think they're touring mainly through April so if you want to if you enjoy the, the little outro every time you can go see them thank you to our, our previous guests we've had Oliver Kay we've had at Beljo Foot and various fans of different clubs Charlie Malham Ollie Emerson um, Sam Smith and and actually to our future guests as well um, who you will hear on our Old Trafford special including Andy Mitten Ian Sterling and hopefully a few others who are we are we are waiting to confirm um, for more before you hear that Old Trafford episode, for more before the the severe game and during the severe game, Jack, where can we find you on Twitter? At UTD Tate, T-A-I-T. And you can find me on Twitter at, at HarryRobinson64 and the podcast itself at, at UTD Weekly Pod. That's P-O-D at the end there. We'll be, we'll be giving you updates on the progress of that um, special on the Old Trafford atmosphere. Thank you, as always, for listening um, for the hundredth time, maybe for some of you. I do, if, if we've got anyone who listened to the very first episode and is still listening now, give us a tweet at, at UTD Weekly Pod P-O-D. Um, it would be nice to know if someone's listened to basically all of them. Thanks, as always, for listening. Have a great week. Goodbye.
Podcast Network. Ready to revolutionize your customer experience? Then look no further than NICE, the global leader in cloud CX software for self-service and agent-assisted customer interactions. Imagine achieving lightning-fast customer resolutions all thanks to the power of unlimited scalability and flexibility of one complete cloud CX solution. With NICE's cutting-edge CX1 platform, you can join thousands of organizations around the globe who are already transforming customer experience in the cloud. Now that's a pretty good company, but Nice is more than just a robust cloud CX platform. Its dedication to continuous innovation ensures that you stay ahead of the competition. With Nice and CX1, it's never been easier to create exceptional customer experiences. Get started by visiting nice.com. Explore the world's most complete cloud native customer experience platform, CX1. Visit nice.com. Nice, cloud powered, CX at scale.